Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. It's not just an issue about giving these female filmmakers a chance, it's about changing the way we tell stories and changing our cultural gender perspective. This episode of Women on the Line will be bringing you two perspectives on barriers to filmmaking for women in an Australian context. First, we'll speak with Amy Brown about building networks in Melbourne to overcome gendered barriers to participation in the film industry. Then we'll hear from Sophie Matheson of Women in Film and Television New South Wales about a recent protest on gender equality on the red carpet at the Actors. This is Amy Brown. I'm Amy Brown. I am a documentary producer and director. I worked on a feature film, my own feature film that I co-directed called A Will for the Woods about the Green Burial Movement. And I now live in Melbourne and I've been coordinating the Melbourne chapter of the Film Fatale Female Filmmakers Group, which is a group for feature film writers and directors. But our group also includes short virtual reality and uh, up-and-coming filmmakers. And I also work with Genevieve Bailey, the director of I Am Eleven, and we're working on a new documentary at the moment called Happy Sad Man about men's mental health. So I understand the Film Fatales group is uh, in flux at the moment, but what is Film Fatales and how, how did it begin in Melbourne? We started in 2015 in Melbourne. M. Baker, who initiated it, had worked with Leah Meyerhoff, who was the founder of the Film Fatales in New York. And we do monthly meetings in each other's homes that are meant to be creative incubators for of support um, where we share our ideas and talk about the challenges of being in the film industry and support one another and invite collaboration with each other. And the host each month sort of sets the theme for the meeting. And so we've had meetings about development, about distribution, about writing, nurturing an idea. Last month we had what I've been wanting to institute a little more as well as these informal meetings in the home are skill shares. So Anna and I coordinated a cinematography skill share. So I just was frustrated going to so many cinematography classes where it was all about the creative side of cinematography where it didn't get technical enough so we wanted to create something that was really sharing all the technical knowledge of cinematography with a with a female professional cinematographer Sky Davies running the class as a way to empower women with skills and knowledge so that they would not face discrimination on a film set for not knowing something I think the best way to avoid that is to really be on top of, you know, all that knowledge and be sort of strengthened and fortified by it. So we're wanting to do more skill shares uh, in next year um, and focus on that a lot, as well as doing continuing with the sort of monthly, sort of more intimate style meetings as well. Definitely informal, and we want to have it as a talkback. So, at any point, if you have a question, uh, put your hand up, and you know we'll also do question answers at the end. So, just let me know. 
Yeah, my name's Sky. I've been um, working professionally within the camera department for yeah, 10 years or so, and I came up as a camera attachment and then moved into club loading, second day scene, first day scene, camera operating, and like fully did each role on the way up. I understand that film for tiles in Melbourne is potentially changing a little bit. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, so I've been living in the States for 10 years, so definitely the film industry there is completely different. They don't understand at all how our industry is just subsidised or, like, you know, hugely subsidised by the government. To them, they couldn't even imagine having, like, a large government funding body involved in their film industry and if anything, they'd see that as a conflict of interest, um, particularly in documentary. But they have a huge audience. So if you want to distribute your film, you can do it, you know, through independent channels much more lucratively than you could here, even though we have a lot of independent films and films making money overseas and, and being shown overseas. So the film Tell is now um, changing because it started off as an informal group a few years ago in New York and has just grown so quickly. And they now have a number of chapters around the US as well as the world. But in New York and LA, they don't have any shortage of feature film directors that are women. In Melbourne, it's been more challenging because we we don't have, oh, and I didn't mention, but you have to now have 12 feature filmmakers to be a chapter of the film to tell, just because it took off so fast and a lot of the chapters don't have as many feature filmmakers. It's become short filmmakers and people without a credit yet and things like that. So the film to tell have made their requirements a little stricter and you have to have 12 feature filmmakers in your chapter to be a chapter. And in Melbourne, our group just wasn't evolving in that way. We definitely are having women of all different levels of experience in all different genres, virtual reality and shorts and things like that, and television coming along. And I really enjoy that and benefit from that. So we're not able to continue using the name Film Fatal, but I think I've been sort of talking with the other local female filmmaker groups, of which there are many, to talk about joining forces or our members joining WIFT, Victoria or Flickr or one of the other great groups and making those groups stronger because they're groups that are actually speaking to what the issues are in our community and especially after what just happened at the Actors with WIFT New South Wales. I'm so excited about what they're doing and want to put my efforts, you know, into an organisation like that. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's sort of what's happening at the moment and it's still in flux and we're still figuring it out. All cameras have a native ISO uh, and all film stocks have what they're rated at. So it's the same kind of idea. Native ISO is film stocks being rated. You get your 500 ASA and blah, blah, blah. So usually you'll go from 160 with film stocks to 162, 500. Maybe you'll get 800, but that's kind of the range that you want to be working at. These networks seem really important in, in terms of filmmaking. I think as an outsider, filmmaking seems like a very expensive business. Mm. Um, and, I mean, do you, do you feel like that barrier in particular further compounds existing problems related to, say, gender and sexism in the industry? Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I notice the difference even between documentary and narrative because I work in documentary um, where it's still expensive, but you don't have to wait to be greenlit necessarily. And so you can, you know, if you've got a camera or access to a, a you know, a relatively decent camera, but you can make a, a documentary on a 
you know, DSLR or something like that um, for a few thousand dollars and just set out and start making something. And whereas with feature narrative films or just narrative films, you definitely have to have, you know, all your funding in place before you start, preferably. And uh, that means you have to involve funding bodies or, you know, investors and things like that. And, I, and it's, it's very obvious that the, the numbers say male directors um, get funded more than females and there's more confidence uh, in a male with less experience than there is in a female uh, with, with experience. Um, and I think that, yeah, we've seen that it becomes sort of a systemic issue in the industry um, and with documentary, it's still not uh, great numbers. Um, there is still gender disparity, but it's better than with um, narrative films. So I think the more that we can work together and there's already been cross-collaboration within the group um, where there are more experienced producers and um, or more experienced directors meeting um, with lesser experienced people and sharing their stories of, of how they overcame those issues um, is so valuable for everyone as they're coming up in the industry, definitely. Do you, do you feel there are particular barriers for, for women in trying to make films in an Australian context? Oh, of course. You know, even getting a meeting or even getting um, your grant proposal um, accepted or anything like that, it seems to be, you know, really frustrating for women in the group. And you just see when the results come out that it's yet another white male-led group of grant appointees or award winners and things like that. So I think, yeah, there's definitely issues in the industry. There are many pragmatic strategies for moving forward including the changes proposed by Women in Film and Television New South Wales in their new Charter for Gender Equity. I think these quotas are a really good idea to go across the board in terms of having more women on panels, on judging panels, um, and transparency in how things are selected. Because it's not about just making it be... um, You have to have 50% of the awards or or the grants given to women, but have different perspectives, be judging the films and having gender in their minds when they're looking at that will be, I think, make a huge difference. And it makes it beyond critique from people who say, oh, well, it should be a meritocracy and um, maybe men are just better at making films. Um, if, you, if you know, they don't realise that there's actually only men judging the films, so therefore they're more likely to identify with those films and they're the films that you get to see whereas all the films that you didn't get to see were discluded before they were even made. So I think that will just create such a different filter of what we get exposed to um, because at the moment films are just being sifted through one small funnel of perspective and that's what we end up getting to see which makes such a huge difference to culture. You know, at the moment our eyes are only seeing stories filtered by men um, by in like 90% or something. So I think that'll change our views on women if we had women telling the stories and more fully fleshed out female characters, um, as well as um, trans, LGBT, um, everything like that. It will just create such an environment where we have empathy for other different groups than just 
men. Um, I think that's what film does, is, is teaches us empathy for others and things like that. So they can see all the different lenses that are coming up there. We'll play it through again once a bit slow. Has anyone else seen this before? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really great illustration. So that's 200 mil. You can see how the longer lens flattens out the face. And the wider lens, um, it's almost like a wine glass effect, where it really elongates your nose and pulls you out that way. See, so we go. That's, yeah. Do you feel there are, with sort of um, technological changes and things like that, do you feel like there's a potential democratisation of film that could be taking place or a more grassroots or an opening yeah. um, t that, that could be possible? Yeah, definitely. Like even in the last 10 years with technology becoming so much more available uh, where you can have cameras now that are you know under $10,000 and editing software that you can just have on your laptop, you can, you know, you can make films on your iPhone. Tangerine was an amazing film shot totally on an iPhone and it was the best film I saw at MIFF last year. And so the barriers to entry are being lowered and therefore anyone can go out and make a film definitely at a competitive high level. It is expensive still. Um, you've got to pay your crew and all of those things, but people are getting creative and you know, I think a lot of the discussion in, for women is we're not going to wait anymore to be given permission to make a film. All these materials are here at our disposal, so let's just go out and start making things. And I think women have been doing that for a while, but definitely it is democratisation with technology becoming much more available every day. And that was the idea as well behind the cinematography workshop was to make it less daunting because the creative side is so interesting and, and but the, the technology side, once you get into it, you realise how much there is that you don't know and so often that can be too intimidating to even want to start but it was so great that in like two and a half hours Sky broke down so much of the basics of like, you know, choosing your lenses and controlling the camera aperture and shutter speed and all those different things and just breaking down those things so that people can that can be like a little gateway into getting started with cinematography and maybe getting your own camera and just starting to make stuff. It sounds like there are um, a lot of exciting things on the horizon for for the film group in Melbourne. Where can listeners go for more information if they'd like to get involved um, or, or get in touch? Definitely. Well, um, they could email me at filmfortalesmelbourne at gmail.com or we have a Facebook group, Film for Tales Melbourne, and they're the two areas to get in touch with us. There's also Flickr and Women in Film and TV Victoria, who both have Facebook groups as well. Women on the Line. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're bringing you two perspectives on the push for gender equality in filmmaking in Australia. Moving north, I spoke with Sophie Matheson, the president of Women in Film and Television New South Wales, about a protest on gender equality which took place on December the 7th at The Actors. My name is Sophie Matheson and I'm a filmmaker and I'm also the president of Women in Film and Television, the New South Wales chapter. So for listeners that might be less familiar with the film industry, 
what is ACTA and why are the ACTA Awards important for filmmakers? Sure. So the actors are um, the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts and they are the rebranded AFI, which is the Australian Film Institute. Um, so they've been going for a number of years. They represent the highest honour um, that Australia can bestow upon domestic and foreign uh, filmmakers um, across all crafts. So the actors have been running for six years now. I think the reason that why they're so significant is because they're a federally funded body. So they are funded through Screen Australia as well as significant private investment, but they are federally funded. So when we look at the way that they're structured and how we you know, reward and recognise Australian films, it became very apparent to myself and the WIST committee that there was a lot of bottlenecking happening within the selection process. And, you know, from our perspective this year particularly, um, it was only two out of 28 films pre-selected that were directed by women. You know, that represents 7%, which is nearly a full 10% below the national average. So Screen Australia themselves put out statistics saying that of narrative feature films, 17% are directed by women. So to have just 7% recognised within the narrative feature stream is just far too low. So when we started digging into the Actor Awards, we could see that of the 28 films that were pre-selected, a further seven of those didn't actually fulfil the published eligibility criteria. So it was very clear to us that ACTA was applying the rules in certain instances and then rescinding them in others. So we really just wanted to highlight this because all of these small decisions, they, they really feed into the cultural framework that has allowed these statistics around female participation in the film industry to remain unchanged for 40 years. So on December the 7th, Women in Film and Television New South Wales actually staged a protest at the Actor Awards on the red carpet. Could you tell us more about that? Sure. So one of our members, Megan Riakos, and actually another member, Louise Wadley, both of those women were approached by Actor to submit their debut feature film. The films were called Crushed and All About E. Both of them had received incredibly successful independent cinema runs. One uh, did 36 national screenings, the other did 43. You know, both of them had significant investment through the Quape, which is the producer offset. So, you know, it fulfills all of the criteria that Screen Australia wants it to. So they were invited by actor to submit. And when they didn't get through, you know, they, they brought the nil response that they got from ACTA when they raised their concerns about the fact that, you know, their films fulfilled eligibility criteria and yet there were films that were allowed through that didn't. So we, we reached out to ACTA and said, hey, guys, what's going on? You know, you've, you know, allowed these films to get through, but you haven't allowed these films by women to get through. Can you just, like, you know, give us a little bit of an insight? And they ignored us. So from that point, I really wanted to, you know, demand some kind of official response and a change. And so we drafted up what was called the WIFT Charter for Gender Equity. And that was in consultation with um, some preeminent film academics. And uh, yeah, so Megan and I were sitting at our kitchen table and she said to me, you know, oh man, the actors, you know, they're just this big giant sausage party. And I had a good old giggle and then I thought, "Uh aha, okay, that's what we're going to do. I knew that I wanted to do a stunt and, you know, draw some attention to it. I knew that it had to be funny and light and it needed to really draw people into the conversation. You know, we've tried our very best 
to be scholarly, you know, to play by their rules, but we really needed to flip the script. So I called a friend of mine who was a costume designer and said, look, do you know anyone that's free that could whip up 20 sausage costumes in about five days? And she put me on to another friend of hers, and so we, you know, got to work. So, yeah, we stormed the carpet at about 3.45 p.m. and rolled around on the carpet handed out our press releases basically you know we really wanted to to get people talking and I think you know it was a it was a really captured media um network for us so we could really demand that attention because you know I think with those kind of environments it can often be that you know we don't pay attention to the issues that underlie something like that and when we look at the actor awards there's huge structural and systemic issues with that so we, we really needed to make sure that we could keep the conversation about that and we were just thrilled with the response. Pretty much every paper and every news outlet was really paying attention to the fact that we were talking about gender inequality. You know, And for us, we're a membership organisation who represent the interests of women and gender diverse people in the industry who don't normally have a voice. So it's really important that we could shine a light on that. Yeah, I mean, while while I guess anatomy doesn't always equate to gender, and some people with penises, for example, are women. I mean, I think that yeah, absolutely, the actor seems to be really definitely dominated by, um, you know, white cisgendered men. I mean, do you, do you think that that um, stifles filmmaking in in Australia? Like, what kind of impact do you think that has on people who are say starting out? Or well, look, I think you know we can definitely see that you know we're at parity when you talk about film school graduates. So. of film school graduates are female. And then when you extrapolate that out into numbers in the working profession, there's a huge and steep drop-off rate. So that really speaks to the fact that there's, you know, there is a huge amount of untapped resources and untapped talent um, who are vying for a very limited um, number of opportunities. So I think, yeah, we do have to look at the way in which men work with each other in the industry. There was a very significant analysis that was just put out by Professor Deb Verhoeven, who is a Melbourne-based academic working out of RMIT. And she analysed the film industry using the same analytical tools that you use within criminal organisations. And she found that in the last 10 years, with the Actor Awards particularly, the films that were awarded or represented, um, 40% of male producers worked with not one female creative in a key creative role. So there is strong preferences to work with people of your gender because I think, you know, when you're talking about when you're talking about film, you're talking about personal taste, but you're also talking about perspective. What matters to you? You know, what are the issues that you want to draw attention to? And I think in a lot of ways we look to try and, I guess, define or reduce down uh, what we would consider an Australian cultural identity. And I think at the moment men in the industry have a definite stranglehold. So it's very, very difficult for women who have, you know, distinct opinions or perspectives 
you know, and, and that relates to all women, you know, and in, in terms of culturally or linguistically diverse women as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's just very limited opportunities for, for people to share that. So, you know, I think we just we need to look at how we reset the kind of policy settings to to allow greater access because, you know, what, what we're always trying to say is that Screen Australia is a federally funded body. It's public money. It's taxpayers' money. So it really needs to benefit the many and not just the few. And that's the way that the industry has been allowed to exist since, you know, it's in its inception in the mid-70s. So we really, really need to take all of this research that's been done and apply it into restructuring and changing the industry to make it much, much fairer. I think that point about public money is a, a really crucial one, especially in an Australian context. I mean, I, I understand WIFT has actually put forward a, a gender charter to begin to address these issues in terms of the sort of actor part of it. Could you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So we looked at what the key issues were. And in case of the actors, one of the things that was so striking for us was the opacity of the selection criteria. So it was Effectively, what do the rules mean if an unknown, unnamed amount of people can choose to apply or rescind them? So what we are demanding is greater transparency. So we know that Screen Australia, when a a film is submitted for development um, appraisal, you're given the name of the person who assesses that film. And I think that that's really important. You know, we, we need to know that... You know, everyone as a subjective person, you come with a set of values and beliefs and that's going to affect your taste and how you assess someone's work. So the fact that ACTA couldn't and has never been open about that or transparent about that is a, is a really big problem because we can see that, um, you know, over a number of years there has been a very, very um, marginal female voice coming through despite the fact that there is more and more female content being released. Mm. Um, So transparency was was the big one. The second one was consistency. So ACTA, um, in conflict to Screen Australia, they they have a a differing of opinion of what a theatrical release is. So the way that ACTA works is that, you know, a film either immediately passes its first um, eligibility criteria or it passes on a second-tier basis. Um, and so the, the immediate criteria that you need to fulfill is a two-week release period. Now, we know that within traditional distribution models, women receive 63% less distribution deals than men. And again, that speaks to this kind of cultural bias, um, the way in which we tend to prefer male stories over females. And that's specifically relevant to the amount of men that work in sales and acquisitions at distribution level. So that criteria in and of itself is very exclusionary. When we look at Screen Australia, what they consider a theatrical release is any release that is five commercial screens. So just five screenings is for them a theatrical release. Now that is far more inclusive of the way in which women make and distribute content because you know a lot of the women that we represent at WIFT, myself included, we have had to self-distribute our films because distributors don't necessarily want to, in inverted commas, take a risk and back a film that we make. So we want ACTA to be consistent with Screen Australia so that we can allow those films through. And the last thing that we wanted was an intensity of commitment. So there is a really big problem 
at all funding and you know national and state agency levels, but not one of those have come out and actually developed a gender equity policy. So again, it just comes back to the fact that they are publicly funded or state-funded bodies and the fact that there is no policy platform in place to say this is what we are going to do to make sure that there is space and parity for people who are not white cisgendered men to have access to these platforms. So we want actors to come out and say, look, this is really important for us. We're going to work with um, with WISC New South Wales. We're going to work with significant academics in the field who are, you know, contributing to the research and analysis and develop something that is far more reflective of what is going on in the industry. So when we got a response from ACTA, which happened yesterday, you know, they denied everything about the opacity of the selection criteria and basically just said, you know, they're willing to sit down with us and we're very open to that. But I think it is very important that as Australians we can have difficult conversations. You know, we do like to to proffer this idea that, you know, we're all about giving everyone a fair go. And that's the message that we really want to drive home is that the film industry needs to be for everyone. We are in a very diverse landscape and I just don't think that it's fair to have one specific or a few key specific perspectives that are preferred over over others. So if listeners are interested in learning more about women in film and television in New South Wales or nationally, where can they go for some more information? Yeah, sure. So we're very active on social media, but we also have a really excellent website, which is wistnewsouthwales.org.au. And all of our information and our charter, all of the letters of support are up there as well. You know, we're a really approachable group of um, women and, you know, we really like to speak to people in the industry. So, you know, we always say please reach out to us because we're incredibly aware that it's only through a, a multitude of voices that we can get this message out. We really want to be representative of all women and gender diverse people working in the industry because we really feel that in terms of achieving parity, it's really about standing up and speaking out about this and saying, you know, this is of very great import, not in a conceptual framework, but in a real one. So yeah, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. That's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenonthelinea at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line the theme music for women on the line is slideshow at free university by la tigra i'm emma hart hope you can tune in again next time 